Praise God. Sheila had an aunt that had a stroke. And she could only say one phrase. What was that phrase? That's all she could say for years. Hey, how you doing today? Jesus is coming soon. I'm telling you the truth. That's all she could say for years. Mama, what do you want, what do you want to eat for breakfast? Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Of all the things that her mind was on when she had the stroke, I'm pretty sure it was the things of God. And it stuck right there. And I mean, I don't know how many years I thought, well, surely she knows some other words. Surely she's going to say some other phrase. And what, which, which aunt was that? that? What was her name, your aunt's name? Alice. And Alice, so how, how, how the kids been treating you? Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. In an hour when you think not. In an hour when you're preoccupied with other things. In an hour when it's your issues, when it's all about you. I just want to tell you tonight, I'm a little unorthodox in my presentation. But I believe that tonight, on purpose, God is going to touch some hearts and lives and you need that touch. You say, well, this is Wednesday night. It don't really matter in heaven. They don't have days of the week, okay? They don't have clocks. You know, there's a lot of things that ain't going to be in heaven, Brother Corey, that I'm glad of. But there ain't going to be no bells going off and no whistles and no alarms and things like that, Brother Joey. But God is trying to stir us and wake us up. And there's no better time than tonight. But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take some some serious admission and some serious wanting to get serious. Not just to get through the service, not to get me to be quiet, not to get past a certain point. But I'm going to tell you what stirred me as I was a young person growing up was a man of God who could perceive things in people's lives. Scared the daylights out of me because I was afraid they'd find out what I was hiding. You see, you have nothing to fear if you have nothing to hide. But the Spirit of God begins to speak to us. And I can't remember, Brother Eddie, I don't want to steal your thunder on this, but, but it just spoke to me when whoever said, God didn't want Isaac, he wanted Abraham. Man, that just went through me. I don't want your riches. God says, I don't need them. He says, I want you, but I want all of you. I want all of you, or I want none of you. Yeah, but I'm giving, don't you decide how things should be. He wants everything in your life, every day, all the time. So, three years ago, I made a resolution. I'm always making res New Year's resolutions. They're wonderful to make, real hard to keep. I just made a new one here to lose weight. So we'll see. I think if I lose a half an ounce a day, I've got to figure it out at the end of the year what it works out. <laughs> But three years ago, I told God, I'm going to read the Bible through, I'm going to draw closer. And he spoke to me, Joey. He said, do you mean it? Oh, God, I mean it. You know, you're calling out, Adam. You're calling, God, here I am. I mean it. I want more of you. He said, no, no, Bob. Do you mean you want more of you? And I'm like, I've not heard this tone in a while, God. And he said, it's going to cost you something. This is serious. This is not exactly what I had in mind, God. So it's going to cost you something. 
said, well, Lord, you don't want to work for you. He said, you're not ready to go to the next level. So I began to tell him, Brother Eddie, I go to this jail and I go to this prison and I go help the, the widows, I help the blind, I travel overseas, and I'm sure God is in heaven going, are you done yet, Bob? Because he don't really care about what you do and patting yourself on the back and trying to draw attention. He said, the level I want to take you to, it's going to cost you and you need to be prepared. That's three years ago. I'm still going through that process because, you know, that grade you never pass that test on, you got to keep going through. There's, there's that area where I just get so far and then I hit a roadblock. Yeah. And so you back off and God says, it's up to you, Bob. And when you ask God what the problem is, you know what he'll tell you? You know what it is. Uh -huh. You know what it is. And you do. But it's hard to admit. So I try to be honest with people. I do it with prisoners. Right. See, when you're ministering to prisoners, they're at the end of their rope. They're willing to listen. They have nothing to hang on to. They've lost. I was in the, uh, Bogota, Colombia, in a ladies' prison preaching. This lady come up to me. She goes, can you help my, me get my sentence reduced? Now, I preached, and the Spirit of God moved, and a number of them came forward for salvation. I couldn't even eat my food. They kept lining up to be prayed for. She got 30 years for, for uh, being a, like a mule for drugs. First offense. There is no probation in Colombia. You get them a minimum of 20 years if they catch you carrying drugs for the drug dealers. She said, I got 30. My kids, I've only been here three years and I have kids at home. They're going to be grown and gone time I get out. And so the Lord said, ask her, will she live for me if she doesn't get her sentence reduced? And she thought about it. And I said, well, you serve God if he doesn't reduce your sentence. Because I can't do anything for you, but God can. She thought about it. She thought about it. And she said, yeah. I said, then make up your mind to serve God and then let God take care of things. You see, sometimes we've got to get in such a situation that we cannot get out of it ourselves. You can't talk yourself out. It may be embarrassing. But see what happened. Several years ago, I hadn't been married too long. <laughs> Went to hear David Wilkerson preach at our Church of God, our Assembly of God campgrounds in Illinois. I respect David Wilkerson way up here. Him and Brother Clinton, way. So after the service, I said to my wife, I want to go meet Brother Wilkerson. So I get in line. He's over there with his Bible and his long coat. And people are shaking his hands. And so I get up and say, hey, Brother Wilkerson, I'm glad. He goes, just a minute. God's telling me something about you. Of all people, really, God? And I'm thinking, forgive me of all my sins, forgive me. You know, you're, he's telling a man of God about things about me. Take my hand back. He looked at me, he said, you're making God way too hard. He said, you serve God because you love him, not because you have to. And I was struggling. I had all the rules. I was raised church of God. I knew what to do. But I wasn't living for God because I loved him. I lived for him because I didn't want to go to hell. And I didn't have the relationship with God that I needed. And I didn't know how to get it. And he, he's, I've read some of his books, some of his stories, and I don't have time to go into it. But it helped me tremendously 
to get my walk with God where it should be. And I think tonight, I know, when I grew up, we talked about getting hit in the head with a two-by-four, you know, to get your attention. And the prisoners will tell you, men and women, that's what it took for me to get me here. And you know what? When you ask the message, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, I'm just using this as an example. Raise your hand if the message touched you tonight. Almost every hand will go up, men or women, because they are in desperate need. They're in a bad situation. Turn with me to Luke 7, verse 11. Luke 7, verse 11. If you would stand with me. I thought you was half done preaching already, Bob. Came to pass the day after, after the healing of the centurion's servant, that Jesus went into a city called Nain. Many of his disciples went with him, and much people. When he came near the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when Jesus saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said unto her, Understand, the funeral is still moving at this time. It's still moving, the procession. He, he said, weep not. And he came and touched the bier, the wooden frame of which the dead were laid on. And then he told them that was bearing that stop. And they stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto you, arise. And he who was dead set up and began to speak. You may be seated. I'd love to know what that boy said when he said it. What in the world was he talking about? But here's the point. How dare Jesus to interrupt the funeral? This is a very solemn thing. And Jesus had the nerve to walk up. Hey, stop. They got a procession. She's weeping. We don't know if she had any daughters. She had no other sons, and she was a widow. So she was in dire straits. And Jesus felt the need was so great, he would interrupt the burial. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. How about if you interrupt Jesus like they did when they lowered the man down from the roof? He was preaching. There was no standing room. There was no room anywhere there. And they decided if they couldn't get in with the, uh, the paralyzed man laying down, that they would go up some stairs, get on the roof, pull up some tiles, and lower him down. They interrupted Jesus preaching. So what am I saying from the interruptions in the service and in the message of Jesus preaching? God wants to interrupt your life. And I don't think it's one or two. I think God wants to interrupt and change some things. You're at a switching yard at a railroad track, and it's tonight is your night to make that change. And I always tell the prisoners this. If you don't change tonight, when will you change? The church, generally what we'll do is we'll say, well, next week, Brother Bob, I'll change next week. I'll be different next week. Brother Gary Morgan, the missionary to Mexico, he's the only American that's permitted by the Mexican government to go in the maximum security prisons in Mexico. A man of God, and I believe in supporting Gary to the hill. He preached a message in our church on Sunday morning. A great message, but it hit home. And it meant if you got up and you came up, you were admitting something. Uh -huh. You know how it is? Well, I'm the Sunday school teacher. 
I can't go up there. What will people think? I'm a deacon. I'm the preacher. I can't go up there. What will my wife think? And Brother Gary preached it and gave the altar call. And you know how many came? None. Not one single person. And God was just dealing with me and dealing with me to go. And I wouldn't go. And he goes, well, I guess I miss God. Just come pray. Man, did I feel bad all day. And we come back Sunday night, and naturally they asked me to lead singing. I got up here, and I said, I can't lead the song. I said, God has dealt with me all day. All day. And I said, I should have come up when Brother Gary, I don't even particularly remember what it was, but it hit me. And I said, if there's any other men, and I think it was more towards men if I remember correctly. I need prayer, you know. I, I tell you, I just need prayer. And 10 other men came up. We had a pretty good service that night. But God said, I need to interrupt your life on Wednesday, January the 6th of 2021. From this night forward, something's got to change. Something has to. Yeah, but I'm on my way to heaven. Are you? Are, are you really on your way to hell? I, I, yeah, who's going to say I'm on my way to hell? Of course you're not. But straight is the way and narrow and few. Let me tell you something. It's not always going to be somebody else that goes to hell. It's not always going to be somebody else's kids that get arrested and locked up. I know. My son served time, so I know what I'm talking about. You think you've got things together. You think you've got the mind of God. God can get your attention. I told God. When my son was facing the years he was facing, I said, if you wanted my attention, you got it. He began to speak to me about some things in my heart. So God interrupted a funeral. These men interrupted a message. I think the problem is, is we're really not broken anymore. And I'll use this example. One of the prisons I preached at year before last in Columbia was a military prison. Bob, do you want to go to a military prison and preach? I preached at different ones, and I said, I'd love to. They said, well, it's a little different here. These are officers. These are not enlisted men. These are officers, some high-ranking. These are governors and mayors of city. These are high-ranking people that got in trouble. They need God, too, so count me in. So we go. It's a pretty nice prison. A light rain has fallen. They all come out. They put line up two rows, make a U around me, say, don't preach long. The light rain has fallen. You got 15 or 20 minutes. What do you tell men? Because really you preach half that time because of an interpreter. I got 10 minutes to tell them about Christ. Well, one thing you do, you soak it with prayer. And you pray, God anointed. As I shared the gospel, I watched many Many of the men standing there and heaving and crying. They couldn't stop it. They just started crying. I'm, I'm, I'm like preaching and I'm going, this is amazing. I'm almost observing while I'm preaching the number of men that are crying. And finally I realized what they were doing. They were trying, they were embarrassed. And I said, you better quit worrying about that guy next to you. The one sitting in front of you, the one behind you, the one side. You better worry about yourself, where your walk is with God. Where is your relationship with God? 
And before I knew it, the time was up. So I said, men, it's time to man up. If you raise your hand, you're telling me that you're lost. You do not know God and you want to know him as your savior. Raise your hand. Probably three-fourths of them raised their hand. And I'm like, all right, praise. Oh, the guard's got his hand up. Oh, the, the guards are raising their hand. Oh, the girls have come out of the office. And they're standing back there with their hands up. They want to know Jesus. And I'm like, I get to be part of this? I get, to, I get to do this? God cares. So as I'm trying to take all this in, pray the sinner's prayer, we said, Pastor Bob, follow me. I go to the man that used to be, I don't know, the warden of the girls of the ladies' prison last year that I went to. He got in trouble. And they said, he has constant headaches. He asked you to pray for him. Sure, you know, you know how we are. We lay hands on them. I prayed maybe 30 seconds and God said, that's it. And it was like, I don't, I don't know how to say it. It was like virtue went out. I knew the prayer was over. I said, I, I believe God's touched you. And I went on. The next day I got a phone call. I'm sorry, uh, I had a fellow come to the door. He said, Pastor, listen to this. And through an interpreter, that man's headache instantly went away. And he had been 24 hours without a headache. And I'm like, really? You know, you're you shouldn't be surprised, but you're like God said, there's nothing that I won't do for one individual. That guy's soul mattered. But see, we're not broken anymore because we don't get cornered enough. We don't get trapped enough because God deals with us to come with a sensitive heart and a repentant heart. But sometimes some of us are stubborn. And that voice of God is trying to speak to us. You want to know why it's the things in God's word isn't fulfilled? It's not his fault. It's our fault. It's something we're doing or not doing. And I can tell you this. He will not use an unclean vessel. He will not use an uncommitted vessel. He wants all of you or he wants none of you. Why do you think it took Moses 40 years? 40 years. And I understand the cliche you know, he took him 40 hours to get out of Egypt and 40 years to get Egypt out of him. I, I, I get that. But see, we think we're growing. We think we're maturing in Christ. And we're just not getting along very far. We're doing the same thing. God said, I've had enough of it. He said, I'm changing your world. I'm turning it upside down. I can promise you where this disease come from, the COVID come from, I can, I could, I just say that it's many, many more times worse than you're hearing many times worse. God is trying to stir his church. The night cometh when no man works. That night is fast approaching. What you do for Christ, you must do quickly. One of my trips to Columbia, the day trip to the prison got canceled and I was kind of down. I was looking forward to it. They said, Bob, would you like to do street ministry? I said, yeah, why not? Bogota's uh, up in the air, about 8,500 feet. Um, rains a lot. And there's a lot of millions of people there. They decided to go to a sidewalk where people were coming from off the trains and the buses on the overpass where hundreds of people would pass by. So they gathered in a circle. It's raining on us. And they begin to sing gospel songs. And I'm thinking, 
So how's this going to work? You know how? So they're singing songs in Spanish and stuff. And they said, here, pastor, your turn. What do I say? So I just began to preach to them and had an interpreter. I said, you coming down the steps, God's talking to you. You over here, you over here. And people are just going by, just walking by. You think they're not paying attention. One fellow stopped. So after I got done preaching, I went up. I said, what would you stop for? He said, uh, I used to be a Christian. He said, it spoke to my heart. And I said, where are you headed? He said, I'm headed home from work. I said, how far you live from here? He said, two hours. I said, you still got two hours to go and you're standing here? He said, yeah. I said, do you want to give your heart back to God? He said, yeah. We led him to the Lord. He stayed the entire hour knowing he had two more hours to go to God save that man one person matters you matter to God so as we're going around praying for people there was a shoe stand and an ice cream stand I said what about this lady they said oh she don't work here she's just sitting here I said well, what's her story they said she was at home questioning life and got discouraged and just decided to walk out of the house and I don't know how far she was going to go with her life but she just thought she might find an answer if she walked and God set her down as close as me and Adam and she heard the gospel and we led her to the Lord you see God cares about one individual in anywhere in the world I said on the, the, the steps of, of the Great Wall of China one time I climbed as high as I could go and I got up there there was nobody but me and an old Chinese lady she's sitting on a step and she, she passed the step like me to sit down next to her. I go sit by her. She pulls out some water and gives me water. And I'm thinking, I'd love to tell her about the gospel. Long story short, I said, God, I'm on the other side of the world. And I have no way to share the gospel with this lady. And about that time, somebody come by that had a track written in her language about Christ. And I said, wow, God, this is cool. Miracle after miracle after miracle that I see. But here's the thing. When I don't walk close to God, I don't see those things. When I get cold, I don't see the opportunities. When I get careless, you say, well, Brother Bob, I haven't been able to minister much during all of this. There's ways. There's ways. I got a call about a young man. He, uh, young man, Ricky, was 50. And this lady said, he's my nephew, and he's given up on God. He said, God doesn't hear his prayers. God doesn't answer his prayers. His health is horrible. His marriage is horrible. His family life is horrible. Would you go talk to him? And I said, sure. So I go to his house. It's a house trailer. His arm, like mine's hanging in, his arm hung out. It was crooked. It was broken. He was too weak, too sick to do surgery. I just talked to him about Christ for maybe an hour. And I thought, well, I'm just going to pray with you, Ricky. I don't know what else to tell you. Nothing dramatic I thought was happening. When I laid hands on him and I prayed with him and, I, and had him pray the sinner's prayer, he got up and he says, you know something, Bob? I felt something. I felt something. Until he passed a few weeks ago, Ricky stayed faithful to God, serving him. So is there things you can do while all this is going on? You can send cards. You can do phone calls. There's a number of things you can do. But here's what it is. Most of the people I've heard say, 
I want to get back in church. I want it to go back like it was. I, 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 I. When in fact, we should be thinking of other people. That's right. But we lost the burden. And God said, from tonight on, there's got to be changes. Does this affect everybody, what I'm saying? Probably not. And I tell prisoners the same thing. I said, if it don't affect you, this isn't for you. But it is for the person that's sitting there. And God is having trouble getting through to, and he's trying to stir you. He's trying to re-energize you. He's trying to wake you up and say, I care. I'm interrupting the Wednesday night service. I know this is not Sunday. It's Wednesday night. It shouldn't be this way, Bob. We should hear a good lesson in the Bible, some scriptures, come up here and pray and go home. And God says, no, no, not tonight. But Brother Bob, that's just you doing it. All right. And stand up and tell me how you don't need anything from God. You're as close as you've ever been in your life. Tell me what you're doing for God. Well, I should be hearing about it, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I hear if God's really moving in the church and in the Christian's life? It would spread abroad. 120 was filled and, and, and then it spread all over the area. Something's not right. Something's missing. And it's got to start at the top, which means me. So I have to look at my life. So when I go to prisons, I try to open up and share with them that I've been through and what, what I'm facing and what's difficult. I'm telling you, God is trying to knock on some doors we're not opening. That's right. And that's your business. That's up to you. I cannot help you. God cannot help you because you've shut the door and you've barred it and you've blocked it. Well, you don't even know me. If the shoe don't fit, you ain't got nothing to worry about, Cinderella. But here's the problem. I bet you. I bet you if I asked you to raise your hand and you would, there'd be over half the church raising their hand. You don't know. You're right. I, I don't claim to be spiritual. I'm forgiven. Do you realize that in a moment's time you can correct all that? Come on. And, from, and when you begin to realize that you walk by faith and not by sight, right. and that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Right. When you understand what he did for you at Calvary and the price that was paid, not just the beating, but the resurrection. I love what he told Martha, but Martha, I am the resurrection. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know he'll reign and he'll live again in the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Is it an event? It will be an event. But he is the catalyst. He is the, he is the power. And he cares about Bobby there. Are you serious? After all I've done? Why do you think I died, Bob? Why do you think I died? I believe this service specifically is for certain ones. I'll try to wind it down. The woman had the issue of blood in Mark. She and herself had said, I have to touch Jesus. Yeah. Well, wait till more opportune time, man, because it's rather crowded. Can you get in line? She said, no. I have to touch him right now. Right now. I'm sure she was rather weak because of what's going on. And she's pushing through the press, pushing through the crowd. She said, if I could just touch him. One, I think Matthew says the hem of his garment. If I can just touch him, I know I'll be here. She had faith. 
She had done heard some things, maybe seen some things, but she had confidence and faith that if she could just touch his clothes, it would be enough. So whatever your situation is, I'm telling you, if you can just touch him, let him do the work, it'll accomplish what needs to be done. At least get it started. It may be a process, Brother Corey, but sometimes we've got so much going on that God has to work on us for quite a while to undo. Look how long it took you to get in the position you are. He does forgive you, but sometimes you've got habits, you've got issues, you've got certain ways you do things. And God says, stop it. Well, I don't read where God says stop it. I'm pretty sure if you're out of the will of God and you're doing things, he's telling you to stop it. Because the night comes when no one works. The night's coming. Jesus is coming. It's not going to be long. God said, I need to break you. It could be like a horse. I was having a service in a juvenile center, and I had nine individuals there in orange jumpsuits. And I preached absolutely the worst message I ever preached in my life. It was a Sunday afternoon, I think. It might have been a Wednesday night, irregardless. I just, I just wanted to get out of there. It was a terrible message. And I got to the end, and I said, does anybody want to give your hand to God, your life to God? And every hand went up. And I'm like, really? Led him to the Lord, prayed with him, had to leave. I got outside, and I said, God, I don't understand. He said, Bob. It's not about you. Ooh. I had the same same area, same building, and uh, I'm really laying out one of my better messages. I'm real proud of this one. I mean, it's coming out to my points. It's a good one, and I'm about to lower the hand. I'm five minutes from asking them to give their heart to God, knowing they all will. And this one black kid raises his hand. About dinosaurs, or did Adam and Eve have belly buttons, or whatever? So I'm ignoring him, and I'm here. I'm, come, I'm, I'm right there, and he shoots his hand up again, and I said, "What?" He said, "I want to get saved." Now, he said, "Now, I had missed the spirit of God what he was doing." And I said, "What about you?" Because he's over here the next guy doing this. He said, "I'm ready." They interrupted my message. But it made a life changing life change in them. So that's what God's trying to do. And I can't pinpoint every situation. But I can tell you this if just a handful of people truly, truly find that walk with God and get where He wants you to, there is no telling. There's no, I count a miracle as this. A miracle is something that's explainable by no other means but God. But God, there is no other explanation for it. I can tell you stories and stories of miracles I've seen in, in other countries. But why don't we see them in America? And I'm going to wind down with this. One of the services I preached in Columbia, they were telling me, Bob, if you're going to give an altar call, make sure the people understand it's for the lost because everybody will come forward. 
So I've often said this. I said, I don't care if it's just one. It's worth preaching to. There's probably a couple hundred people there, and I preached. And I said, all right, if you want to give your heart to God, come forward. I'm expecting this long line. It was one guy. And I'm like, this is being on recorded, God. I, it's kind of looking kind of bad. And he said, remember what you said? I said, I do. And I laid that down, and the interpreter was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I walked down here. And I went up to that one man. And I spoke to him. And I said, do you want to give your heart to God? He was ruffled. I thought, God, you might have to work overtime with this guy. I led him to the Lord. I felt the power of God. And I'm kind of like this. And I felt a tap on the shoulder as the pastor. A line. three years ago I told the Lord I wanted to be what he wanted me to be I've seen good things change in my life but I've seen other things that I can see when God says you're not ready and I'm really just kind of being open with you here because I've never ever, ever told anybody this except my wife but you have some areas where you're just, you know, you struggle. You, whether it's a temper or, I don't know, you smoke or, or I mean, sometimes just sometimes there's things that we, we, we've hidden. We, we're deceptive. We get good at being deceptive. Yeah. And we don't like being reprimanded for it. Uh, okay, keep it then. It's your choice. But how's it working out for you? How's your home? How's your marriage? You, you realize your kids are going to be worse than you are. Whatever it is you do, whatever it is you think you've got hidden, the devil tells you, don't worry about it. My oldest grandkids are 20 today. I have number 10 on the way. What if they say they want to be like Papa? Time out. <laughs> you know. So 
here's the examination that's going on. Every head bowed, please. Have I preached to you like you were a bunch of prisoners? To a degree. But kind of that's, that's all I know. And when I go overseas, I, I really don't beat around the bush. So you got to look at your own heart tonight. You have to decide, is there something, God, that you need to really deal with me with and I need to respond to and I need to start tonight? If not, you're welcome to go home. But if God has spoken to you, on your own, would you begin to drift up to the front? Find you a place to pray at your seat around the altar and take some time. Talk to God. But most important, let him talk to you. Let him speak to you.